You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. I know it's the eve of the NBA draft, but we're taking a little break from the chaos. On today's Locked on Kings podcast, I'm going to be joined by former Sacramento King Dante Green, who's going to share stories of his time in Sacramento, the four seasons that he played for the Kings during the relocation era, talk about some of his favorite memories in Sacramento, the relationships he built, the formation of the Goon Squad, what it's like playing in the Big Three League, and of course, we will discuss the NBA draft what it's like to be drafted, the anticipation leading up to the NBA draft. Dante shares a bunch of stories, a bunch of memories. It's a great listen, and it's all right here for you on today's episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to the Locked on Kings podcast, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January all the way through to December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And the NBA Draft is tomorrow, which means our Locked on NBA Draft show is tomorrow. NBA Draft goat Chad Ford, Locked on NBA Draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked on NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked on NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked on NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Very excited. I will be a part of that show. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six, nearly seven years, and this will be season number eight for me covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. Dante Green was one of my favorite Kings back in the early 2010s, late 2000s, when he was here in Sacramento, 2008 to 2012. Dante wore Sacramento Kings purple and represented the city well despite those being four difficult losing seasons. That was also the heart of the relocation era where we didn't know whether or not the Sacramento Kings were going to be heading to Seattle. And during that time, Dante was an energy guy. He was an excellent personality. He loved the city of Sacramento. He was a fan favorite. And I'm very excited to have him on the Locked on Kings podcast today to share some of his memories of his time as a Sacramento King. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. We had to do it over the phone while Dante was driving in Baltimore. So at times the quality is a little spotty. I apologize about that, but you should be able to hear, understand, and enjoy the entire conversation nonetheless. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with former Sacramento King Dante Green. He played with the Sacramento Kings from 2008 to 2012. He was in Sacramento in the height of the relocation era. And he's now here on the Locked on Kings podcast to tell us about his time as a Sacramento King, talk about his experience being drafted into the NBA with the NBA draft happening tomorrow and more. It is former Sacramento King Dante Green joining me here on Locked on Kings. Dante, I hope you are well, my man. Thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. Oh, yeah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure, man. Well, I'm going to actually start with a little bit of a story here, and I I may make you feel old here, uh, and I apologize for doing that. But I was back in I was back in high school and I was at a Kings versus Cavaliers game and you had the tough assignment of guarding LeBron James this night. 
Uh, and there is a moment that will always stick in my head as, as one of the ultimate Dante Green moments as a Sacramento King. It was late in the game. It was a close game. I think this game went to double overtime, if I remember correctly. Uh, and you were defending LeBron, and you actually forced LeBron to turn the ball over. And there's a, there's a shot of you on your stomach doing this kind of seal clap with your legs up in the air. Do you remember that moment? And, uh, what, I mean, just what was it like uh, being a part of a moment like that? Uh, yeah, I think I was diving on the floor for a loose ball, trying to get it before it went out of bounds. Um, but uh, you know, it's just it's just what I did when I was with the with the Kings. I was the the energy, the hustle guy, um, kind of the you know Mister Do Everything, just just trying to help the team uh, get a win and 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 also you know give myself uh, uh, some more minutes and and, and it just get better. What do you remember most about Sacramento being a part of the Sacramento Kings? Um, for sure, number one is, is, is the fans, man. Um, you know, I, I, you know, you hear guys say this all the time about, you know, oh, we have the, the greatest fans in the NBA, but you know, I really believe that you know Sacramento has the greatest fans in the, in, in the NBA, especially during the time when the times when I was there, and you know, we weren't really winning as much, but you really couldn't tell, especially when you went out into the city. It was always support. It was always love. Uh, you know, my kids were, were raised in Sacramento. My daughter still lives in Sacramento. And, uh, you know, it's always been just, just love from, from the fans. So uh, that's, that's the main thing. And, and then, uh, you know, just the relationships I've built uh, throughout the years and, and especially my time of, of playing there. Um, you know, it's, it's, Sacramento gets a lot, of, a lot of trash talked about them just for being, uh, you know, in, in, in North Cal and uh, nobody wants to be in, 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 uh, in Sacramento. But, you know, my family, we made it home, and, and I loved it. You know, your story, or just what you said there, is very similar to what we hear from a lot of players. I mean, the most famous king, arguably, of all time, Chris Webber, was hesitant to come to Sacramento and then fell in love with the place. Uh, what is it about Sacramento that was just so enticing to you, and do you ever have other uh, NBA players, former NBA players, current players, ask you what Sacramento is like? Um, for me... I had never been to California before the draft process. So my first stop in California was Sacramento. And I actually got to work out twice for the Kings. Originally, I thought I was going to be drafted um, by them. But, uh, you know, I, I fell in love when I came out there during the, during the workout process. And, and once I was traded there, um, you know, I had a, I had a few friends who had, had moved to Sacramento and was, you know, was telling me a little bit about it. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a small city kind of guy. Baltimore, where I'm from, isn't really too big. Um, and uh, when I got to Sacramento, you know, you, you, you couldn't beat the Cali weather. And, you know, it was just it just felt like home. So it was uh, it was it was great for me. And, you know, guys always ask, you know, how did you how do you why do you like Sacramento so much? Or how is the city? And I tell them that it's. If you're a big city guy, Sacramento probably isn't for you. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you just like a, a spot where it's, it's enough to do, it's enough to keep you busy, but at the same time still have that family atmosphere, then, uh, you know, Sacramento is, is definitely the place for you. You know, you, you brought up earlier the relationships that you formed, and I remember how tight your relationship was with your teammate Jason Thompson amongst uh, many other of your uh, your teammates in Sacramento. Uh, and it's funny, a, a couple of years ago, we had a group of guys on the bench that, that named themselves the Liddy Committee that would dance and jump and have a good time before tip-off. 
And not too many people remembered, or actually a lot of people started to remember that it was uh, it was the Goon Squad that originated that kind of fun and that kind of behavior, which of course uh, you, Dante, were a, a part of. Can you talk about that Goon Squad forming a little bit, the memories of, of having fun before tip-off? Oh yeah, you know the Goon Squad. We used to we used to get in. Uh, you know we uh, we had Sign Lady who was over there with us and, and kind of really helped us form the group and. Myself, Jason Thompson, uh, Pooh Jetta was a part of it. Uh, I think Donnell Jackson was there for a little bit with us. There was a bunch of guys that were in and out, but for sure, uh, me and JT were kind of the originals. And, you know, just to kind of get, just get the crowd in it, get, get not only them hyped up, but ourselves and, and kind of get ready for the game and, and just go out there and have some fun. <laughs> So I know you remember the insecurities in Sacramento, how unsure we all were about the the future of the Kings uh, staying in Sacramento. Uh, you didn't ever get the opportunity to to play in the brand new Golden One Center, but I imagine there's a feeling of pride for you seeing that new arena built. Have you been able to visit it at least or experience it and see what downtown Sacramento is like? And, and that's a culture that you helped form in those unsure years. Yeah, I've been back. Uh, I come back a, a couple times throughout the year, and you know, it's it's a it's a, a a good feeling to know that you know this was not necessarily I I helped build it, but you know, I was one of the guys that was definitely pushing. Uh, sorry, I was one of the guys that was helped pushing to keep the team in the city and the, and the, you know to keep it for the fans. But uh, yeah, the Golden One was uh, the Golden One Arena, Golden One Center is, is is beautiful, man, and you know downtown really has this has taken its own uh taken on its own life of its own and it's and it's backed up. I feel bad for the Thomas. Uh that area's kinda dead now. But uh, you know, I'm just happy to see that the fans got something and and uh they can have fun with that. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, and delicious. Comes in a bunch of delicious flavors. The best one is mint brownie. There's no argument there. But there are a few other good ones like cookies and cream, German chocolate, orange, strawberry. Who am I kidding? They're all good, just not as good as mint brownie. And you can try all these flavors by getting a mixed box on Built.com where you'll get two of each of the flavors to try out then you can go back and order your favorite bars in a box that are sent directly to you and the best part these bars are healthy for you 17 to 18 grams of protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs they're amazing flavors all tasty and all healthy go to built.com use promo code locked on you'll get 15 percent off your order again that's promo code locked on for 15 percent off at built.com well, Arco Arena was called a couple different things in your time. I think it was both Power Bounce Pavilion and then Sleep Train Arena uh, while you were here in Sacramento. Uh, and that building, I mean, I basically grew up in that building. Of course, the glory days of the Sacramento Kings in the 90s and 2000s uh, were in that building. The Golden One Center is gorgeous and state-of-the-art, but having played inside of, we always will consider it, Arco Arena, you know how loud that building got, how the fans were on top of you, and it might have been old by the modern league standard but it was a special place to play very special very special and and you know i don't think any arena uh maybe outside of utah um really has a fan i feel like the fans were just right you know right there with you on the court especially when the game you know got intense and, and it got hyped uh you get a get an and one bucket a big dunk or, or hit a big three and man the place erupted 
you still heard, you know, you had the cowbells out there and, and you know, just the, just the roar of the fans was, uh, you know, it, it, it gives me chills sitting here talking about it now, thinking about how I many I mean, great moments that we had in, uh, in Arco in my time there. Can you share some of those moments? Do any, like, jump to your mind of specific games or specific instances that happened, matchups that you faced, uh, comeback victories, anything like that? Uh, well, you know, of course, for me, my big moment was uh, um, playing against Kobe. Yeah. And and in the late seconds, uh, I think I, I got a block uh, on him on the baseline to, to send it to overtime and just, uh, you know, the arena went crazy. It was always crazy for, for Kings Lakers games. But, you know, for me to be able to participate in that one and, and to, you know, play against, uh, you know, one of the greats in, in Kobe was, you know, it's always always special for me and, and, and my family. I believe your cover photo, and I'm glad you brought this up, your cover photo on social media is you guarding Kobe. Uh, and uh, if you if you Google Dante Green, one of the first pictures comes up is the same picture of you guarding Kobe, and of course uh, the the tragedy that happened with uh, with Kobe. But uh, does that make those moments extra special for you, having the opportunity to compete uh, with one of the greatest of all time like that? And what do you remember in trying to guard Kobe Bryant? Was there trash talk? Was uh, was or was Kobe just a silent assassin? What was it like trying to stay in front of Kobe Bryant? Um, you know, those moments are definitely always special. Um, you know, me and my kids still sit sit back and, and talk about them and, and reminisce. And, you know, they always ask me, oh, did I meet this person or did I meet that person? And, you know, it was just it's always always a good feeling, uh, uh, you know, when you're talking about this, one of the goats. But, uh, but yeah, um, you know, when you're playing against Kobe, it's, it's more of a me. I didn't. I didn't like the trash talk. You know, the 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 the, the better players, Go Kobe. Uh, you know, AI, D Wade, Bron, Melo, Katie. I don't really. I wasn't really talking trash to them. It was more of me focusing in, locking in, trying to remember the the the, the game plan, their strengths, their weaknesses, and uh, you know, actually, Kobe was crazy. Is when when I most of the time when I played against Kobe, he was more of the. You know, kind of in a, in a teacher role, like, hey, you know, you did a good job this time, but you know, make sure you watch out for this next time. Or offensively, you know, you could have done this a little better. Or, you know, things. I wasn't one of those guys that was gonna go out there and talk trash. So the older guys took to me and, and, and kind of, you know, helped me out, gave me little pointers here and there. So uh, you know, I was definitely grateful for it. You always seem to take on and invite uh, the the pressure of the biggest and most difficult defensive assignment on a nightly basis, uh, and that is something uh, that really defined your time here in Sacramento. Like you t- said earlier, the energy, the hustle that you tried to provide, whether it was as a starter uh, or coming off the bench, taking on those tough defensive assignments, that's really something that this current Sacramento Kings team I- is searching for. Someone who has that grit, that desire to do that dirty work and fight and, and be that trench worker. How did you develop that mindset, and is that easy to maintain at the NBA level, especially when the league is going more towards you know score and highlights and, and, and things like that? Um, for me, it was a way for me to get onto the court. You know, when I got to the Kings, uh, we still had a lot of vets from uh, Mikey Moore to Brad Miller, Kenny Thomas, uh, Francisco Garcia, Kevin Martin, um, John Salmon. There was a lot of vets on the team. So for me, I had to kind of find my niche and, and figure out, uh, you know, I can I know I can go out and, and, and you know, offensively, 
score with some of the best or, you know, you know, put up some good numbers, but what else can I do to get me get myself on the floor? And, you know, it was it was to be that defensive guy to go out there and really lock in and, and try to, you know, stop some of the best players on the other teams. So, you know, really in practice it helped being able to go up against a Kevin Martin or John Salmons and and really just, you know, learn from them. What was better or what is sweeter, scoring on a guy that you really want to score on or a rival or stopping him, getting a defensive stop, blocking a shot? What's better out of the two? For me, it was it was, it was defense. Yeah. And what's, what's, what made it even sweeter was, you know, I went to Syracuse, so our, our knock is nobody at Syracuse really plays defense. And, you know, when I came to the league, I wanted to change that. And... uh you know, I, I feel like I, I did a pretty good job while I was uh, while I was in Sacramento with that one. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes like Fiat and Kia and models, Pacifica, XT5, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your honesty an LX or an EX? And why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brands that his warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com offers all the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. I know nothing about cars. Absolutely nothing about cars. But when I know what part I need, I go to rockauto.com. It's in my basket and on its way to my house within hours. It's amazing. Plus, it saves me a ton of money. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. I remember another moment that it wasn't your moment, but you were definitely a part of it, and you can't miss when you go back and watch this moment. Kings and Grizzlies, I think it was either right before New Year's or right after New Year's, and O.J. Mayo hits this ridiculous shot off the back foot. Everybody watching it knows that he traveled, but I guess he got away with it. He puts the Grizzlies up by one with a, just a handful of seconds left. Tyreek Evans hits an over-half-court shot, and you can see Dante Green on the bench. You knew that ball was going in the the entire way just hopping up and down making your way onto the floor even before that bucket dropped do you remember that moment and how did you know that was going in i do uh you know it's crazy everybody it usually comes up on twitter two uh, two or three times a year and and people get a kick out of it but what's crazy is we really um we used to practice half court shots all the time and of course Tyreek used to hit always win you know sometimes we were sometimes we were just messing around but Nine times out of ten, Tyreek was going to be the one who was hitting the shot. So as soon as he got the ball and he let it go, I knew that it was going to go in just from, you know, from practice or from shoot-arounds on game days, we'll do it. So, you know, as soon as he let it go, I said, hey, man, I, I know this is going in. So let me go ahead and, and celebrate and, and let's get ready for the next one. You were the first in that entire building, maybe even before Tyreek knew that ball was going in. I just love watching that highlight and seeing in the corner of the screen is the you can see the arc of the ball, and then you can see Dante Green knowing the entire way uh, that it was going to drop. So it makes that moment extra special. You said that, I guess, uh, you, you guys practiced that or, or had little uh, full-court or half-court shot uh, competitions in practice. Who besides Tyreek was the best? Who was, I guess, second best to Tyreek there? Was it you? Was it someone else? 
Um, nah, I'm not even gonna lie. I, I was I was horrible with the with the half court shots. Um, what's crazy for the time he was with us, Luther Head was really good uh, at half court shots. He used to give uh, uh, Tyreek a, a, a run for his money. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with with Luther Head. Interesting. I never never would have guessed that. Uh, well, you were, <laughs> you were drafted uh, by the Memphis Grizzlies in 2008. And we have the 2021 NBA draft that is coming tomorrow, believe it or not, which is is crazy to think about. And, of course, these last two NBA seasons have been insane with the schedule. So when NBA draft time comes around, do you remember uh, what it was like going through the draft process, the anticipation, and then the elation of your dream coming true being drafted? I do. Um, It was a a long process for me because of where – I was slotted to be drafted anywhere between um, 14 to 25 was my kind of draft position. Uh, so, you know, I worked out for – I had 19, 19 teams I worked out for and 22 workouts. I worked out for, uh, of course, Sacramento twice, and I worked out for um, Golden – no, not Golden State. I worked out for Sacramento twice, and I worked out for Houston – twice um well, of course i was originally drafted by but uh but yeah man it was it was it was crazy crazy process um and uh you know it was it was i was in the best shape of my life i'll tell you that Been working out for the getting ready for the nba draft you have to be in in tip-top shape uh and you know i was just excited young and just anxious to to get my shot uh in the in the league even though you know or have a pretty solid idea that you're going to get drafted, like you said, you you figured your range was between the the 14 and, and late 20s. When it actually happens, when your name is actually called, is there a relief to it, or is it more like, yeah, it's my time, I knew it, and finally it's here? No, nah, it's definitely a relief. Um, you know, especially when you know you you finally accomplish your dream of of making it there, and and to just be, you know, for me to be drafted in the first round. After, you know, I just started really playing basketball at 13 years old and, you know, seven years later, I'm, I'm, I'm drafted in, into the NBA. It's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy whirlwind, but, uh, you know, I was definitely happy and, uh, you know, ready to get to work. You know, people like me, every single year with the draft, we have mock drafts. We try and predict where players are going to go, what their careers are going to look like, try and do player comparisons. Do you remember, did you pay attention to the chatter about you, what type of player you were going to be? And and do you think, and be completely honest, do you think sometimes we go too far with mock draft comparisons and trying to form people into or players into these, these players that they're not or comparison that they're not rather than just focusing on what they do? Yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I really didn't pay attention to it at all because, you know, coming out of high school, of course, my big comparison was, was Mellow. And, you know, I knew I played nothing like Mellow, but it was just, you know, similarities. We went to the same high school from the same city. Eventually went to the same college. So, you know, I, I played on this AAU team. It was, you know, was a bunch of comparisons. But for me, um, you know, nowadays you, you just – I think me personally, I was just ahead of my time already. You know, I was a – a 6'10 shooting guard, really. I started, uh, you know, the, the, the two-guard position and played everybody from one through four, from Steve Nash all the way down to Kevin Garnett and Dirk Nowitzki. So, um, you know, uh, as far as comparing, when I came out, I don't think at that time there was nobody 
have comparisons with, uh, you know, the Carmelos or, or, or anybody else. But really, um, at that time, man, I, I was, uh, <laughs> I was one of one, I believe. The schedule during a normal NBA season is rigorous. It's tough to get used to. You see a lot of rookies hit rookie walls and things like that with just the amount of games, the amount of travel, the NBA lifestyle in general. Uh, But can you imagine what it would have been like going through what players have gone through over these last couple of years, going through the the insecure or uh, uh, unsureties of um, uh, COVID-19, the the abbreviated schedules, the Orlando bubbles, the uh, 72 games compiled into like 120 or 130 days, something like that. Uh, Can you imagine the chaos of that and maybe speak to how impressive it is that athletes were able to get through that, how they did? Um, well, I think for the younger guys, it was probably easier, to be honest, um, especially being in the bubble, um, just being able to, I feel like it's kind of like almost being like a kid again. Like all you have is your video games, um, your phones, and basically basketball. So I think for the younger guys, it was probably easier. Um, not so much for the older guys who are used to being around family and and being able to be, uh, you know, have a lot of freedom. Uh, it was probably, you know, I know it was difficult for them. Um, but for a guy like me, um, you know, I've been overseas now for eight years. So that isolation um, is kind of, is normal. You know, when you get overseas, a lot of guys really don't speak the language um, of, of their, you know, the, of the country that they're playing in. Um, you know, you're away from your family for, for months at a time. So from a from a guy who's been playing overseas, um, you know I, that was that would be normal for for me. But uh, you know the young guys, I, I think they they did a great job with it. And you know a guy who is who made a come up from it, obviously uh, Tyler Hero, you know had a great bubble. Devin Booker had a great bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the younger guys, uh, you know, were just took it as, hey man, this is <laughs> we're we're back being kids again and, and, and just, you know, go hoop and, and have fun. Well, speaking of the younger guys, the Kings have a couple of young guys that I want to get your opinion on. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, re- who really made a massive jump into uh, star potential, or really realizing his star potential last year, and he wants to continue that to actually get an all-star nod this season. And then young Tyrese Halliburton, who's come into the league uh, and has been miles ahead of where you would expect a, a normal rookie to be, especially a, a 12th overall pick. Uh, what are your opinions on those two guys and what the Sacramento Kings are doing building around them? I, I love him. I love him. Um, you know, De'Aaron is, is has come into his own. Um, is is arguably you know one of the top point guards in the league. Uh, and you know, um, Tyrese is 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 Tyrese right? We're gonna first name Tyrese. Yes. Yes. Um, he's you know he's good. Young talent was up there for for rookie of the year for a while. So uh, you know they, they have some some really good pieces and. Of course, you know you have Buddy, you have uh, you have Marvin, um, and, you know you just gotta. I think you guys just build around that and you know keep everybody healthy. That's the main thing. You know you got to stay healthy, and uh, I, I think I really do believe the Kings can can make some noise next year and 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 do something in the in the playoffs. But you know you just got to make sure all those pieces uh, come together and 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 once again stay healthy. 
Well, we are hopeful that the uh, playoff drought will be coming to an end soon. And, and when there are playoffs here in Sacramento, I, I'm sure we'd love to see Dante Green uh, in the house supporting, as you always do, supporting Sacramento. Before I let you go, I did want to ask about the Big Three. I mean, you play for the Killer Bees and the uh, Big Three. What is that like, the Big Three League? I was a bit skeptical of it when it first started, but it's turned into something both competitive and entertaining. What's it like being a part of that? Oh, it's great. Um, killer, killer threes killer is what threes. we're called. Sorry, um, that's what it is. Yeah. No, no, it's all good. Um, the B is our is our little mascot. Um, but it's 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 fun. You know, it's it's different. Three on three, half court. Um, it's it's not your normal five on five game. Um, but it is very physical and it's very entertaining. Uh, because you know you have to you have to one be be pretty good offensively because it's basically one-on-one. Um, you know, you have a few ball screens or you have a few set plays, but for the most point, it's uh, it's one-on-one. And then defensively, you know, you're on the island. You're basically getting embarrassed. Uh, you will get exposed if you, if you can't play any defense. So, uh, you know, it's not for everybody, but at the same time, you know, the fans love it. We love it. Um, and, you know, you're just, just out there having a good time. Well, you can watch Dante Green ball out on the killer threes, not the killer bees, the killer threes. Uh, and it's easy to always root for Dante Green and remember uh, what he provided and what he gave to Sacramento, the effort that he played with. And Dante, the fact that you're willing to come on the Lockdown Kings podcast and chat with me about it uh, is awesome. My man, I know the re- uh, the listeners appreciate it. Thank you so much. I-, I hope we can do it again soon. And I was serious. If, if the Kings have a playoff series here, it would be-, it'd be awesome to have Dante Green in the house. Really, anytime. Kings regular season game, it would be great to see Dante Green at the Golden Ones tonight. Oh, for sure. Now I look to I look to come out this this uh, this year for a game. Um, hopefully early on, and, and definitely support support the young guys and and, and just be back with uh, you know Cowbell Nation. What a treat that was being able to spend a few minutes with Dante Green. I really appreciate his willingness to come here on Locked on Kings. He expressed to me after our conversation that when he does come to Sacramento, he'd love to do a live show or an in-person show. So I'd be happy to do that. Can't wait for the opportunity to speak to Dante again. He truly was one of my favorite players during that really a struggle time in Sacramento Kings history. But he always played hard. He was an energy guy, a personality that was very easy to like and to flock to. uh, And I loved having here on Locked on Kings. I hope you did as well. And I hope you're excited for the NBA draft, man. I cannot wait for tomorrow. I do appreciate you being willing to take a little break from draft coverage to listen to the Dante Green conversation today. But don't worry, we dive headfirst back into draft coverage tomorrow. The plan is, if something happens, we're hearing a lot of rumors about the possibility of a Buddy Heald trade. If something happens before the draft, I will do a pre-draft episode of Locked on Kings. If nothing happens until the draft itself, because I'll be doing the live draft show, the plan is to do a post-draft episode of Locked on Kings that'll be out tomorrow night. That's actually going to happen regardless. No matter what happens, I will do a post-draft episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, and that will be available for you to watch on YouTube. The new Locked on Kings channel on YouTube is now live. Please go and subscribe if you haven't already. You can find the link to that on my Twitter account, at MattGeorgeRadio. I can send it to you over email if you want, mgeorgeatsaclocalmedia.com. And you can find the link to the channel in the description of this podcast. So please go and subscribe. I'd love to hit 50 subscribers before our first episode posts tomorrow night. 
But whatever happens in the draft, of course, the Locked on Kings podcast will be all over it. And I really hope you will tune in and join us for our live Locked on NBA draft show. It's going to be in studio. It's going to be awesome. The production is going to be off the hook. It's really going to be the best draft show that you can find anywhere. So please join us for that. And of course, I can't wait to have you on the next Locked on Kings podcast. Please leave a review of this pod if you haven't already. Best place to do that is Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Hit five stars. Leave a little blur about what you like about the podcast, why you would encourage other Kings or just NBA fans to listen to it. And I'll talk to you very soon. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.